But clearing the way is our aim at the moment, and a dead sheep's harder to move than a live one. We'll just have to nudge them along. Thorn lowered the hammer of his rifle, disarming it, then flipped the weapon with an agile motion and rammed the butt end against a woolly flank. Move on, you bleeding beast! The animal lumbered uphill a few steps, prodding its neighbours to scuttle along in turn. Downhill, the drivers urged the teams forward before resetting their brakes, unwilling to surrender even those hard-foot inches of progress. The two wagons held a bounty of supplies to refit Bram's regiment, muskets, shot, shells, wool and pipe clay for uniforms. He'd spared no expense, and he would see them up this hill, even if it took all day and red-hot pain screamed from his thigh to his shinbone with every pace. His superiors thought he wasn't healed enough to resume field command, he would prove them wrong, one step at a time. This is absurd, Colin grumbled. At this rate, we'll arrive next Tuesday. Stop talking, start moving. Bram nudged a sheep with his boot, wincing as he did. With his leg already killing him, the last thing he needed was a pain in the ass. But that's exactly what he'd inherited, along with all his father's accounts and possessions. Responsibility for his wastrel cousin, Colin Sandhurst. Lord Payne. He swatted at another sheep's flank, earning himself an indignant bleat and a few inches more. I have an idea, Colin said. Bram grunted, unsurprised. As men, he and Colin were little more than strangers. But during the few years they'd overlapped at Eton, he recalled his younger cousin as being just full of ideas. Ideas that had landed him shin-deep in excrement. Literally, on at least one occasion, Colin looked from Bram to Thorn and back again, eyes keen. I ask you, gentlemen, are we or are we not in possession of a great quantity of black powder? Tranquility is the soul of our community. Not a quarter mile's distance away, Susanna Finch sat in the lace-curtained parlour of the Queen's Ruby, a rooming house for gently bred young ladies. With her were the rooming house's new prospective residents, a Mrs. Highwood and her three unmarried daughters. Here in Spindle Cove, young ladies enjoy a wholesome, improving atmosphere. Susanna indicated a knot of ladies clustered by the hearth, industriously engaged in needlework. See? The picture of good health and genteel refinement. In unison, the young ladies looked up from their work and smiled placid, demure smiles. Excellent. She gave them an approving nod. Ordinarily, the ladies of Spindle Cove would never waste such a beautiful afternoon stitching indoors. They would be rambling the countryside, or sea-bathing in the cove, or climbing the bluffs. But on days like these, when new visitors came to the village, everyone understood some pretense that propriety was necessary. Susanna was not above a little harmless deceit when it came to saving a young woman's life. "'Will you take more tea?' she asked, accepting a fresh pot from Mrs. Nichols, the inn's ageing proprietress. If Mrs. Highwood examined the young ladies too closely, she might notice that mild Gaelic obscenities occupied the centre of Kate Taylor's sampler, or that Violet Winterbottom's needle didn't even have thread. Mrs. Highwood sniffed. Although the day was mild, she fanned herself with vigour. "'Well, Miss Finch, perhaps this place can do my Diana some good.' She looked to her eldest daughter. We have seen all the best doctors, tried ever so many treatments. I even took her to Bath for the cure.
Susanna gave a sympathetic nod. From what she could gather, Diana Highwood had suffered bouts of mild asthma from a young age. With flaxen hair and a shy, rosy curve of a smile, the eldest Miss Highwood was a true beauty. Her fragile health had delayed what most certainly would be a stunning ton debut. However, Susanna strongly suspected the many doctors and treatments were what kept the young lady feeling ill. She offered Diana a friendly smile. I'm certain a stay in Spindle Cove will be of great benefit to Miss Highwood's health, of great benefit to you all for that matter. In recent years, Spindle Cove had become the seaside destination of choice for a certain type of well-bred young lady, the sort no one knew what to do with. They included the sickly, the scandalous, and the painfully shy, young wives disenchanted with matrimony, and young girls too enchanted with the wrong men, all of them did.